that's awesome. Man, well, that, listen, guys, that's what, that's what Jesus does. Amen? He takes us broken people, uh, and man, he wants to do things in us that we could, that far outweigh what we can ever ask, seek, or imagine. And praise God for the story uh, that God is writing in Sydney's life. I'm proud of Jesus, and I'm proud of Sydney for trusting Jesus to share that story because this morning, I feel so encouraged by that. It's a great reminder to me. I know many of you in this room needed to hear that this morning. So, hey, we're going to dive right into the book of Colossians. We're going to find that Sydney's story lines up a lot with what we're going to be talking about this morning, which is amazing, and it looks like we really planned that. And here's the truth, we did. So, uh, not that I'm seeking your approval. All right, go to Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 2, verse 16, and we're just going to keep following along with what God is teaching us there. If you don't know me, my name is Greg Brooks. I have the privilege of being a, the pastor here at Outpost Community Church. I know for some of you that might surprise you because I look like I'm 20. I'm not, just newsflash, okay? But again, I'm still not living for your approval. But hey, so um, we're going to dive right in, but we're going to start with some prayer, man, because I want to thank God, um, and I want to acknowledge something that I try to acknowledge a lot, which is number one, uh, I can only, uh, I can try to muscle and muster out a message that sounds good to you. Um, but if God wants to do something amazing in your life, he's going to have to control my mouth and he's going to have to help you with your ears and your heart to receive God's word and to be transformed by it. And I think you're here because you want to, you didn't come here just to hang out. This is a horrible hobby. If you just like to come and sit and watch some dude talk to you about the Bible, there's a lot funner hobbies out there. You probably came because you wanted to hear from God and you want to grow and you want to seek him and you want to be transformed. So let's just acknowledge we need God's help in that. Okay. Let me pray. Well, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this rec center. Thank you to city lets us come and meet in this space. And Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, what the word says to girls like Sydney, to guys like Greg, to a church family like this, how it constantly you showed us that you love us, even when we're dead in our trespasses and sins. And so we can come into this room as believers confident that you love us and you're here with us. And we could come in here curious if we don't know Jesus about you, to learn about you. And we don't have to be afraid of you. We could come knowing that you are, you are welcoming us in. So encourage us this morning, Lord. Open up our hearts, our minds, our ears to be able to, to know and receive and understand what you have for us. And may we be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, in that back row, we got a bunch of high school and middle school students. You guys say, just shout out the best you can. Okay, there's a few of them. They have been hanging out all weekend, and uh, I'm sure they're all exhausted. I walked by a few of the youth, uh, student leaders, and they're all just yawning, and they have huge cups of coffee. So you guys can be, uh, it's really awesome. They had a great weekend. We're going to be hearing more about that, uh, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks. Well, hey, uh, growing up for me, uh, I lived in a ton of different towns. Every year of elementary school, I went to a different school except for one year. I went to two high schools, four colleges. I lived in multiple states, multiple towns. We were always moving, always traveling, always going to different places. And for me, that caused a lot of bad problems. But one of the things that would happen was, if I lived in Wichita Falls, Texas, I would see how people in Wichita Falls, Texas would live. And they dress a certain way, they talk a certain way, they do certain things. And I'd move from one neighborhood to another neighborhood, it'd be completely different. Uh, when I lived in Roswell, New Mexico, I, I lived in neighborhoods that were predominantly Mexican and I was not. And so I learned how to blend into those environments and be a part of those. When I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, you can imagine South Carolina is not like Texas. Thank God. 
because Texas is crazy. All right, no offense to the Texans. You guys didn't think that was funny. Are, are y'all like fans of Texas? Yeah, well, that's too bad. We'll work on that. So I moved to South Carolina, and I'm living in Charleston, South Carolina. You know, every, every state in the South calls themselves the buckle of the Bible Belt. I do think it's South Carolina, though. And uh, I started to blend into a culture there. I moved into a new high school environment, a new uh, locker room environment. So every environment I went into, I learned how the, what the expectations were. How do you talk? How do you dress? How do you look? What do you say? What do you do? All these things, okay? There are some things that are similar, but there's always things that are a little bit different. And there's always these pressures to blend into that. Now, I didn't really grow up in church. We kind of attended church here and there for me. And, uh, but I did get to attend a lot of different types of churches, different denominations. And I'll tell you, uh, they're not all doing the same things. I don't know if you know this. Uh, the Methodists are not acting like the Baptists. The Baptists are not acting like the Southern Baptists, who are not acting like the Presbyterians, who are not acting like the Episcopal. They're all kind of doing different things, all right? You guys came here, and you're seeing that we're in a gym, and we're kind of set up. Some things feel familiar. Maybe some things feel different from where you came from. And so there could probably feel like there's some pressures here. If you go to the Episcopal church, there might, you'll go, man, it seems like I need to be a little bit more liturgical. Maybe I need, if I go to the Baptists, I need to be a little bit more buttoned up. I, whatever the thing may be. But for growing up, for me, that's what I saw. There were these ideas and pressures and things that you had to do to blend into that environment to have pr- approval, okay? Let me give you a really silly one, just in case this is all new to you. When I went to uh, the exciting Midway Baptist Church, which was anything but exciting, uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, I remember I was dancing down the hallway one day, mind you, there were a lot more problems in my life than dancing. And I was dancing down the hallway, and the pastor's wife saw me. Some of you guys know what's going to happen right here. Some of you are going to be about to be really surprised. I got straight up reamed for dancing in the hallways because we don't dance in church. Okay? That's not allowed. And I suddenly was shown that while I'm in that building, I don't dance. Outside of that building, I guess I could dance. Totally ignore the fact that David danced like half naked. You know, and they never taught that clearly because they didn't want people dancing in their hallways. Um, so there was these pressures. Anybody ever in this room feel those pressures? When you come across religious people, do, is anybody in the room ever feel the pressure that you have to be some kind of religious person? Anybody ever feel that? Be really honest. Everyone, there's some hands that are like, yeah, I'm here because the person next to me invited me and they're making me feel pressure. All right. I bring that stuff up, guys, because it's just, it's reality, it's true. A lot of us are feeling that. You got it on you right now. And the weight of that anxiety and pain is a lot of what Sydney was talking about. That anxiety can be really confusing. It can make things really complicated. When really, what Jesus wants to do, what he wants us to focus on, is really quite simple. It's really simple. And so today we're going to talk about being very careful with these Jesus Plus programs or Jesus Plus rules. Then we're going to talk about that there is always unity around those who follow Jesus, but there's going to be a lot of disunity around legalism. And the third thing we're going to look at, and Paul's going to show us, is, man, guys, we don't have to follow man-made religion. We just have to follow Jesus. You hear me that? I could end right there, and some of you, that's just what you needed to hear today. I think we need to hear this, because a lot of us are walking in man-made religiosity, but we're not following Jesus. And God just wants you to follow Jesus. You want to find out about that? 
You think I'm wrong? Some of, you, some of the religious people in here are feeling really anxious. Okay, let's do this, all right? Let me set a little bit of context before we go to verse 16. So last week I talked about how Jesus is uh, the God who's, been, who's inside of us and who has the right to rule our lives and our hearts, okay? So if you've received Jesus into your life, you just didn't receive him into your life, you didn't just believe in him, he literally, it says, he dwells within you. That might freak some of you out, but that's what it says, he dwells within us. And if he dwells within us, he gets access to the whole house, not just the living room, not just the dining room, not just the kitchen, the closets and everything. He gets to have us. He gets to rule and reign. And the reason why he gets to rule and reign is because Paul at the very end goes, look, Jesus triumphed over every evil accuser, spiritual uh, evil that's out there. He beat all of them. And he beat them with the cross. He beat them by losing so that we might win. And he succeeded over death so that we might live. So last week we talked about what we always talk about, that Jesus did for us what no man could do for themselves, so that every man might experience what only Jesus could do for us, which is life. And so guys, this room we talked about last week, we are a room that's filled with a group of people who are unconditionally loved by Jesus, who are absolutely 100% forgiven for every sin we've ever committed, will commit in our lives. We are forgiven. And guys, we are fully and completely accepted by Jesus. And so based on what Paul has said from Colossians 1 all the way up to 2.15, he then is going to say the word therefore. And whenever he says the word therefore, you got to do what? you got to know what it's there for. Well, I just told you what it's there for. Now he's going to move on. He's going to go, all right, now based on some things that you're facing, let me tell you this. So verse 16, this is what he says. Therefore, based on everything we've talked about, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to festival or new moon or Sabbath. Let's pause. When he says let no one judge you, that implies that there's, being some, there's some judgment being had in the Colossian church there, right? That's what we can assume. Somebody in that church had some expectations about the way things should go down and the way they should live their life. And those expectations were not being met. And so that was causing some disunity. It's causing some anxiety, causing some pressure. Somebody was not measuring up. He says, don't let them judge you. And what he talks about is some things that maybe feel weird for you. He says, uh, uh, food and drink, festivals, a new moon, and Sabbath. So what he's basically talking about, I'm going to sum those all up in one thing. It's apparently what was happening in the Colossian church, guys, is that there were some Jewish Christians and there were some uh, Gentile Christians, okay, Greeks, and these Jewish Christians were saying, hey, if you, you, you know, we know you've received Jesus, and that's awesome, so great, but if you really want to really know what it's like to follow Jesus, you also need some of these Jewish things in your life as well, right? The new moon was something that they would, uh, just kind of the signal of a new month, and there was always a sacrifice and a feast that was around the new moon. So it's something like, hey, you got to take part in this. you got to be a part of these festivals. you got to not drink that, and you do have to drink this. you got to not eat that, and you do have to eat this, okay? you got to Sabbath and practice all these spiritual disciplines in these ways. you got to be a member. you gotta, you got to have a nice button down on. Can't wear a hat. Can't dance. So they were mixing these Jewish things in there, just like how we guys can sometimes mix things into the church that are not what Jesus is talking about. And so they're mixing them in there, and he's saying, guys, don't let anybody judge you for that. Don't anybody judge you 
and say that you have to do these things, okay? What does this look like in our body? It's kind of like somebody going, man, I know you received Jesus, but hey, have you tried keto? Anybody feel that? Oh, you're still eating gluten? Well, listen, the more you follow Jesus, eventually you realize that gluten's from Satan, right? <laughs> now, here's the thing. I want to tell you something. I want to be really, I want to make sure that I'm clear. Leaders should always try to bring clarity. There are certain things, you know, that choices that we make or things that we do that are really good, okay? There's certain things like taking care of your body, eating well. You want to eat keto? I'm not judging you. There's certain things that you can do that are really good. So I want to acknowledge the goodness about some of these things. There are some good things about the new moon. There's good things about the Sabbath. There's, good, there's some good things about eating th certain things and not eating certain things. There's some goodness to it. But I also want to acknowledge the weakness of them. And that's what Paul's going to do. He's not saying they're bad. He's just saying they're weak. Look at verse 17. This is how he says it. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. I want to read one more time. These things, these extra things, they are a shadow of the things to come. Or they are the shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. It belongs to Jesus. So listen, guys, there's some things in y'all's lives, there's some things that are being put into the, the culture or some the cultural things that are coming at us that are not just shadows, they're mirages. Some things that are being sold to us that are going, hey, here's where you're going to find life. Come on over here, buddy. Try this out. And it's a complete mirage. It's completely empty. There are some things that are in the church that, hey, they're good things, but they're just a shadow, okay? The substance, the real deal is Jesus. Now, how do shadows get created? Everybody knows this, right? Shadow is created when light hits the real thing. They are not the real thing. They may outline the real thing. They may come from the real thing. Like good food is good because God says it's good right? Taking Sabbath is good, and it's good because God created it to be good. But it's not the thing. Listen, guys, look at my face. Just listen to me. There's a lot of good things you're doing, but there's only one real thing, one real substance, and it's Jesus. Jesus is the thing we're looking for. And guys, I get so confused by it all the time, and I start looking to other people's approval, and do I dress nice? Do I speak well? Uh, you know, is my lawn you know, appropriately manicured, all these things. But at the end of the day, there's one thing we should be concerned about, and that is Jesus. So what are we going to ask ourselves? What's the question you need to ask yourself? In light of all that, what do you need to ask? Is the question we need to ask ourselves, have I been a good boy? It's silly, isn't it? He's like, that's so funny. The question is not, have you been a good boy or a good girl? If you're here and you're visiting, listen, the question is not, are you meeting all the expectations? That is not the question you should be asking yourself if you want to follow Jesus. The question you should be asking yourself is, do you have the real thing in your life? Another way to ask that is, do you love Jesus? Guys, if there's anything you should ask yourself today is, do you love Jesus? If, Christian, if you're hearing anything from Christianity, you should hear one thing. Do you love Jesus? Do you believe in him? Do you trust him? Do you love Jesus? Jesus gets to ask somebody this on a beach one day. Some of you guys might know this, uh, but at the end of the Gospels, we see that Jesus has died, he's been resurrected, but some of his disciples are still discouraged, okay? Number one among those is Peter. Peter literally denied Jesus, made this massive mistake of denying Jesus in front of a teenage girl, right? And then after he denies Jesus in front of this teenage girl, he turns and him and Jesus make eye contact. Can you even imagine the letdown? 
of like right when you sin, you and Jesus make eye contact. And the sin that you committed was you just denied him. Even though a day ago you said you never would do that, and now you did it. And so he leaves. Peter is broken. He feels so disappointed in himself. He feels like he doesn't measure up. He's not doing a good job. He can't be used by God anymore. And so he goes back to the thing he did before. He goes back to fishing. And so while he's fishing, he's there, and some of his buddies, some of the other disciples are on the boat with him. And Jesus comes onto the beach. The resurrected Jesus comes on the beach. And he's so caught up in his own pain, so caught up in his own disappointments, and that he doesn't measure up, and he didn't meet the expectations, that he doesn't even recognize Jesus on the beach. Listen to that. Some of you don't recognize Jesus because you're so consumed with your own failures and your own weaknesses and your inability to meet expectations that you don't even recognize Jesus. Well, Jesus calls out to them, hey, let down your nets. So let down their nets. They catch this massive thing of fish, and and suddenly it clicks with Peter. Oh, no, I've seen this before. And he turns and looks, that's Jesus. And Peter, who's just like me in some ways, just straight up jumps out the boat, swims all the way up on the shore, and he gets to sit, and he has breakfast with Jesus. Listen to this. What, do you, what happens? Jesus is sitting on the beach. What do you think Jesus did? You think Jesus went, Peter, bro, how dare you? You said that you would never deny me. And then I sat there and I looked at you in the eye while I'm getting beat, while they're telling me things that are not true, and you abandoned me because some teenage girl did that. Listen, I came here to the beach because I'm trying to let you know you can never follow me. So you know what? That last fish right there is the last time I'm helping you. Get back in your boat. You go back there. Keep being a fisherman. Here's the reality. A lot of you, sometimes that's how you feel Jesus is going to treat you if you come back to Jesus. That's a lot of how the church can make you feel that Jesus is going to respond to you. Because we're so busy laying up expectations on one another rather than just saying, hey, this is Jesus. Hey, bro, jump out the boat. Go swim. He wants to have breakfast with you. You know what Jesus does? They're sitting there by the fire. And he's sitting there, and they're eating. They eat some fish. And Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? It's heart-wrenching to hear. He says, do you love me? And Jesus actually asked him three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. You think Jesus is trying to get to something? But I want you to hear what the order in which Jesus makes his statements. He first says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says three times, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he says, then feed my sheep. Jesus' first question is, do you love me? The second thing is, then go do something. God doesn't ask you to do something and then ask you if you love him. He asks you if you love him, and he already loves him. He already loves Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, I love you. Okay, and then let's go do this. Guys, you need to hear this this morning. These people are laying up pressures on each other in the Colossian church, and we do the same. And we say, hold on, show me you love Jesus by getting all these expectations right. And Jesus is just saying, hey, do you love me? It's the primary thing that we need to hear. And if the answer for you is yes, then listen to what Paul says in verse 18. If you love Jesus... Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, which means just severity, like like a really serious Christian, on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions pumped up without reason by his sensuous mind. So what he's saying is, I mean, if these things are true and you are loved by Jesus and you know that and you've received him and you love Jesus, even sometimes when you don't feel like it, but you you love Jesus in in your head and your heart, 
He said, don't let anybody disqualify you because you don't measure up for their, to their expectations. Don't let anybody disqualify you, which means to say, hey, you're not forgiven, you're not accepted, you're not loved by God because you're not doing these things. Don't let anybody do that to you. Hey, church, hear me say this. Don't let anybody do that to you just because you don't have all your stuff together. Welcome to following Jesus. We don't have our stuff together. But the real question is, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? If that's the, tr- if that's the truth and you've received him, don't let anybody disqual- disqualify you. What was going on in that church there uh, was that these guys were, they were getting really kind of like puffed up in themselves, okay? <laughs> they are getting puffed up about things when there's no reality behind it. Have any of you guys ever gotten like, you know those big boxes of like uh, chips? The high school and middle school students, you all have these ba- those boxes, right? Have you ever gotten a bag of chips that's really puffed up, but you go to pick it up and there's nothing in it? It's just an empty bag. The way that this church was operating was like an empty bag of chips. It looks good on the outside. It looks actually really full. But when you start to pick it up and shake it, there's nothing there. It's empty. It's a lot of life that's trying to self-justify. Jesus, I know you saved me, but watch what I can do. And that's what they're trying to do with one another. Now, let me be really clear about something, okay? I'm telling you, don't let anybody tell you that you're not loved, accepted, and forgiven by Jesus just because your life is still kind of growing to be like Christ. That does not mean that you don't listen to people when they're saying, hey, uh, I got some counsel for you. You need to stop doing this. Or hey, buddy, you need to start doing this. It doesn't mean you don't listen to counsel. It doesn't mean you just resolve to be where you're at. It means you keep the things in the right order, guys. You hear me, church, listen. You keep things in the right order. You keep loving Jesus first, then following Jesus second. If you love Jesus first, this is what Jesus likes to do with the people who follow him. He likes to take our have-tos and he likes to make them our want-tos. You hear me? He likes to take our have-tos. Hey, I've got to stop drinking. I've got to stop looking at pornography. I've got to start reading my Bible. I've got to start doing these things. He takes them from being a have-to, like I, I, I got to do this, I got to do that. And some of you in this room, I talk to you, you're like, man, I got to get my stuff together. I got to blah, 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 blah. And I hear you and, and you're kind of right. Yes, you need to do some of that. But the thing you need to do first is ask yourself, do you love Jesus? Because here, I I want you to, well, there's a lot of problems that come with this. If you start trying to do for Jesus, but you don't love Jesus, there's a big mess that's going to come. And one of the biggest messes is, guys, it's going to cause disunity in you and all around you. How does this cause disunity? How does trying to live like this cause disunity? Well, what's going to happen is you're going to get all puffed up if you're doing a good job. Because some of you are pretty disciplined people. Right? You're like Sydney. You could be really self-disciplined. You can get a lot of stuff done. You could, quote unquote, hit the club really well. And so you're going to think you're really good because you're going to look around at the people around you and go, not like that guy. Right? You're going to get a community when they go, man, how have you fed your soul this week? You're like, man, I read like 65 chapters this past week. Prayed, Sabbath, pretty awesome. Right? But then there's going to be another group of you who are kind of like me, and you're not that disciplined. You get distracted real easy with golf games on your phone and, you know, the news and whatever and sleep and eating too much. And you're going to show up to community and you go, man, I didn't read anything this past week. And suddenly you're going to think, oh, you're going to look at that guy and go, man, whatever. It's just, you don't understand where I'm at. And, you know, I, I got these struggles or, or gosh, I'm just not that great of a guy. And man, God doesn't love me. And therefore I should just, whatever. I don't even care anymore. Anybody ever feel that way? That's me. So what ends up happening is there starts to be a divide among us. 
Because we have people who are starting to think that they're okay because they're doing certain things. They dress nice, they don't dance, they don't drink alcohol. We've got these other people who, man, we love to dance, alcohol tastes great, and we're distracted and we don't, we don't do a good job. And so there's going to start to be a divide. And that's what's happening. It's starting to create a divide, it's starting to create division among the people. Okay? But here's the thing. There's always unity around those who follow Jesus. Let's read this. Verse 18, I'm going to read again, but we're going to go to 19. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism, worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head, who is Jesus, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. Hey, church, a lot of you are doing some really good things in the church, but you're still not growing up. You're just a Pharisee. You look good on the outside, but inside you're just a dead, whitewashed tomb. And some of you, you have Jesus, and you're thinking that everything on the outside means that he doesn't love you, when really he's doing a work in you. So everybody who follows Jesus, when you're following Jesus, it always brings unity. When you're focused on how you perform, it's going to bring disunity. How so? How does following Jesus and holding fast to Jesus, holding fast to the head, how does that bring unity? Well, it's kind of like water skiing. You're like, what do you mean, Greg? It's kind of like water skiing. Anybody in here like to water ski? Anybody, does everybody know what water skiing is? I know you, none of you guys even get in the water because it's so cold around here, okay? Uh, so here's the thing about water skiing, okay? Water skiing, you need a boat and you need skis. There's a person who's on the skis, there's a person in the boat. The person in the boat in this analogy is Jesus. And every single one of us need Jesus to be in the boat and him pulling. And the only way that we can get out of the neck deep of our sin, out of drowning in our sin, is Jesus has got to pull us up out of it. And that's what he did on the cross for us, right? And the only way you can ride up on top of that is by Jesus and you being tied, your heart to Christ. And when your heart is tied to Christ, he pulls you up out of your sin. And only he can do it. And you start cruising on top of the waves and you are good with Jesus. And it's awesome. And so the thing you need to know about that is, hey, uh, nobody can ski without Jesus in the boat. And so that erases judgment of one another because every one of us was drowning until Jesus came and pulled us out. Amen? The second thing is this. If you want to go skiing and you are held onto that boat and it's pulling you, do you think that at the same time you could ski on top of the water holding onto the boat and while also holding onto a submarine? No, you cannot. Guys, the world is a submarine and it wants to pull you under. It wants to drown you. It wants to, it's going to try to convince you of this beautiful land down beneath the surface, but right when you need oxygen, it's not going to give it to you, and it's going to kill you. You cannot hold on to Jesus, guys, and hold on to the world. You cannot have both. That church was trying to balance both. Hey, you got to follow Jesus, but also you got to have keto. you got to follow Jesus, but you also need to dress nice. you got to follow Jesus, but, 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 but you just need Jesus. The third thing is this, all right? If Jake's heart is tied to Christ, Eric's heart is tied to Christ, my heart is tied to Christ, even though we're sitting and standing in different places, if we're tied to Jesus and he's pulling us and we're going towards Christ, what's going to happen to us three men? It's going to pull us together. If you've read, ever ridden skis, if you want to get outside of the wake, you have to fight to be outside of the wake. But if you give your heart to Jesus because you love him, everybody's hearts are tied to Jesus should be pulled together. Am I right? And that erases the disunity. Everybody who's following Christ will be pulled together 
We all need him, and we don't need these plus programs. We don't need these submarines. And that's why Paul says next, if this is true, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you're still alive to the world, do you submit to regulations? Why do you submit to the submarine? That I got to have a great car and a great job, and I got to go to college, or I got to be starting on the team, and I got to do all these things. I got to, I got to, I have to, I have to, I have to. Why do you submit to the submarine? It's going to kill you. You can get it all. You could be the three-time state champion golfer and still be hopeless. You can have a billion dollars and still want to take your own life. The question is, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? So we don't submit to, verse 21, we don't submit to people going, hey, do not handle, do not, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that perish when they are used according to human precepts and teaching. Guys, you need to be very careful about allowing humanistic, worldly teaching to seep into the church and cause us to get, uh, go in the direction that Jesus doesn't want us to go. The question is, and the primary question can only be what? Do you what? Say it louder. Do you what? Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? So don't let anybody, guys, disqualify you because you don't read the King James Version or the ESV Version. Don't let anybody disqualify you because you dance. Don't let anybody disqualify you because you're still trying to work through your porn addiction. Don't let anybody disqualify you because you're still trying to fight your battle with alcohol. Don't let anybody disqualify you because your marriage is not where you like it to be. Don't let anybody disqualify you because you're not a perfect person. Jesus is not asking you if you're a perfect person. And church, if I'm putting that on you and you're putting that on each other, we need to confess our sin and repent because that is not what Jesus calls us to do. God has called us to acknowledge our sin and our weakness and go, do you love Jesus? And go, all right, God, I want to yield my heart to you. I can't fix me, but you can. And so therefore, I need to tie my heart to you. And so Paul's saying, guys, stop listening to all these human ideas. What, what happened? What's, what's, so, what's the thing about these things? He says, verse 23, these have indeed the appearance of wisdom. And there's some things that Joe Rogan says that I go, man, that's actually kind of wise. It's actually like not unbiblical. There's some stuff I go, that's crazy. There's some great leadership podcasts. There's some great, you know, tips and tricks out there. There's some good books to read that have no Jesus in them, and they will help you. These indeed have appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What I love about Sydney's story, which is the same as my story, is that we tried to do a lot of different things, and it still didn't heal us. Still below this, I love the way she says it, below the surface, she still wasn't healed. And some of you in this room, on the surface, you look great. But under the surface, it's, it's just decay. It's decay. And there's going to be a matter of time where something's going to land on top of that surface, and all of who you are is going to crumble under the weight. I see it all the time. I see it constantly. Guys, the only thing that's a substance that fills our hearts and gives us the stability that we need is Jesus Christ alone. And you won't be perfect. The expectation is not to be perfect. Hence the reason why Sydney reads her story, why we post a story on our website. We tell story and story after story to help you guys understand that even though you don't have it together, Jesus still loves you. And the only question we really have for you is, do you love Jesus? Friends, Jesus tells us at the end of the time, there's going to be people who are going to show up and they're going to stand before Jesus and they're going to have a litany of things that they've done. He says this in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What is God's greatest will for you? Somebody shout it out. What is it? That you love Jesus. God's greatest will is that you know his love and that you love him. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Hey, the greatest lawlessness in this world is that you think you could do it on your own and you don't need Jesus. How dare you believe you can show up to the throne of God and go, hey, you should let me in because I was a good guy. I did all these good things. He's going to show you his nail-scarred hands and go, are you sure about that? You didn't do this. I did this for you. And you were doing all that for you. You didn't love me. Guys, can I set you free? Can, somebody needs to hear this this morning. Jesus is not looking for you to save yourself. He saved you. He just wanted to know, do you love him? If you love him, you're going to do certain things. I love Bonnie. And when I was in college, I loved Bonnie so much, I would like sell my clothes to get gas money so I could drive two hours to go see that gal. I did weird, crazy things. And I love Jesus, so I'll do weird, crazy things like plan a church and meet in a gym and hang out with you guys and talk about this. The question is, do you love Jesus? Not, do you have it all together? So friends, last time I'm going to tell you, man, there's a lot of good teachings out there. There's a lot of good podcasts. There's a lot of good leadership things. There's a lot of good tips and tricks. But man, if you don't love Jesus, none of it matters. We're not impressed. And God's not impressed. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech and wisdom. I wasn't trying to impress you. I was just trying to show you Jesus. He says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul's ministry was, hey, I'm not trying to give you this entire bill of goods. I'm not trying to sell you a catalog. I got one message for you. It's Jesus and that he died for you. That's it. That's what you need. Anybody feel weird about that? That's why he also says, hey, in 1 Timothy 4.8, he goes, listen, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Guys, I want to see you different. I want to see you guys walking and doing things that are more like Jesus, but that will never happen in the way that you need it to happen unless you first say, I love Jesus. So friends, what, what's so great about Paul's teaching here is it's not all about the do, it's all about the be. That's why we say here at Outpost, one of our core values is we want to abide with Jesus, devote daily. And abiding with Jesus doesn't mean that you did a devo that you did a Bible study plan. We read our Bibles so that we can be with Jesus. We confess our sin because it keeps us from being with Jesus. Right? We, we gather together and we pursue one another uh, relationship, uh, relationally and love one another and out, try to outdo one another in showing honor because we love Jesus. And in the ways we don't love Jesus, we confess that and Jesus is going to help us because he loves us. Amen? Guys, I said a lot, but I've only said the same thing the whole time. And it's the same thing I said last week. You just need to know one thing, that Jesus is as good as he says he is. And you've got to ask yourself one thing. Do you love Jesus? If the answer is yes, stop trying to perform and start trying to love him and enjoy him and be with him and seek him. It'll change everything about the way you do everything if you love him. All right? Let's pray. Stand up with me.
Well, Father, I am I'm indebted to your love because I am a sinner and I don't have everything together. I make mistakes with my words, with my mouth, with my heart. God, I am tempted to, to lust. I am tempted to get angry and impatient. I'm tempted to want to control my kids and my family. I, God, I will lash out at my wife when I'm hurting and when, I, when I'm angry with the way things are going. I'll treat people poorly. I, I just make mistakes, God. I, I waste time looking at things and uh, playing on games. and I just don't take seriously loving people well. But God, I thank you because I know you still love me and you forgive me and you're helping me. Jesus, there's, people, there's men and women in this room who they don't feel like they're enough. They feel like they don't belong here. They've got too many mistakes in their past. And yeah, they hear this message that they just need to love you, but they're not sure that you love them. And I pray that right now, you would help them to see that it wasn't just the not-so-ugly sins that you died for. You died for all the sins. I pray they hear that they are loved. I pray that they hear that you have just one expectation and it's that they submit their life to you and just love you. And again, Jesus, I know that if you don't help us with this, we're never going to know it. Help us to not be a church that's legalistic, all about doing. Help us to be a church, a group of people who just love you and are with you. And may our love for you transform us into the image of Christ every day. God, you are good and we love you and we need your help. In Jesus' name.